News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. HSE is inviting those over 60 or with underlying conditions to come forward for their second COVID vaccine. Uh, appointment will be made available from Monday the 15th of August. Uh, to tell us more, we're joined by Dr. Colin Henry, uh, Chief Clinical Officer with the HSE. Uh, Colin, just bring us through what you're announcing this morning. Well, it's timely. We're just announcing this now as we come out of this surge of cases attributed to BA.5. That's subvariant, and thankfully we're seeing it in the rear view mirror now, Shane. Um, so as people may recall, NIAC advised this additional, the second booster back in July for people aged 65 and older. And for those aged 12 years and older who had what we call immunosuppression, their immune system wasn't working. And now they've advised, the most recent advice, that we extend that second booster to those aged 50 and above and those aged from 12 to 49 with underlying medical conditions. And what we're doing in line with like what we did before is inviting people on a phased basis to register um, at the, one of the 15 HSE vaccination centres or indeed contact participating GPs or pharmacists. And we're beginning, as you point out, in that in, run in there to, with those aged 60 and above on next Monday, August the 15th. Why is it important for people to continue to avail of these boosters? Well, we do know that the vaccine affords long protection from serious illness. And the evidence there clearly, even though we we, we really saw quite high levels of disease with this recent variant, BA.5 variant, but we didn't see it translate as much as other countries and didn't see it translate into into hospitalisation, particularly into intensive care use. And that shows how effective our vaccine campaign has been to date. And the uptake here has left us in a much stronger position in this country than, than it would otherwise However, uh, we also know that after about 16 weeks that uh, immunity against infection begins to wane. And for this reason, we're focusing on those higher risk groups, uh, beginning as NIAC advised with those aged 65 and older and those who have, whose immune system was, was not strong enough to get a good immune response. And now they're advising we go down to younger age groups who have, as we know, an associated incremental increased risk with age with, with the nasty side effects of COVID and, and more serious illness. So it's afford people additional protection heading into the autumn winter. Okay, any idea at this point as to when people under 60 who don't have underlying conditions, when they will be done? Um, No such advice coming yet from from NIAC, uh, it may well be that they will, they'll think that, uh, that it's, it's not in their interest. Uh, their focus, if we look at those who are hospitalised, those who become sick, largely among, as people know from the figures, largely among older people or those with underlying conditions or those with immune, immune system just doesn't muster the same kind of immune response following natural infection or following vaccination. And that's why their advice is focusing on those at highest risk. Okay. The picture at the moment, is it is it okay in relation to COVID in terms of numbers in hospitals and so on? Obviously, one one person is too many, but what's it looking like? Yes, we, we, as of just yesterday, we had 355 people in hospital who were testing positive for COVID. About half of those were sick with COVID. Back in mid-July, Shane, it was over 1,000. Intensive care, about 32 in beds today, in intensive care beds today with COVID. And that peaked at just over 40 in mid-July. Again, showing the big difference between this particular surge and those early very difficult days back in 2020 when we saw a big translation of cases into intensive care use. Very uh, bad for obviously for patients, and but also uh, put our healthcare system under huge pressure. So we're seeing a 
a week on week really collapse in the number of cases out in the community, uh, dropped by a 30, 35% in the number of antigen tests registered in our portal. And it, it does seem that this subvariant is, is is beginning to recede now. But of okay. course, uh, thankfully, no no further variants in the horizon, but we're, we're keeping as vigilant as we can to look at the experience of other countries and see what might be expected. Uh, okay, just before you go, uh, Colin, we uh, spoke to uh, a little bit earlier on the show to Paul Moore and Dr. Paul Moore, a psychiatrist working with the National Gender Services. I, I know it's not your, your core area of expertise, but as a representative of the, the HSE, a senior representative of the HSE, he was sharply critical of the HSE for continuing to refer patients uh, to the Tavistock uh, Clinic uh, in the UK. Uh, your response to, 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 to his criticism over the, the last number of days? Well, Shane, this is one element of a care pathway, a complex care pathway, and one that a care pathway that evolves over time. It's not, as people can understand, I'm sure, it's it's something that involves continuous assessment, what we call multidisciplinary assessment, mm. not just by a psychiatrist or psychologist, but by a whole range of people concerned with the welfare of children. And it's important to remember that gender dysphoria is associated, quite understandably, with a huge amount of anxiety, depression, severe depression, and, 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 and can be is extremely distressing uh, to people who, uh, who have the condition and to their families. Um, so it's, um, we, we've referred about just over 200 uh, cases by our child and adolescent mental health psychiatrists since 2014. And it's important for people to understand that Tavistock doesn't prescribe, but it does it, it advises in some cases that uh, children may receive hormonal uh, treatment. But that, that decision ultimately is with the treating and referring clinician in Ireland. So um, the report, the CAS report he's talking about, is an interim report. It does uh, comment on the lack of consensus. About it's the a pretty damning report. Uh, well, it, 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 its primary focus was not so much on the lack of safety of the service, but on the fact that it's all concentrated in one site. And it advises strongly that rather than have a hub of care in the Tavistock Clinic, that it should be dispersed and devolved. Well, it, it, and did find, it did find uh, that um, clinicians felt pressurised into affirming children's gender changes, prescribing puberty blockers and hormones without proper assessment. It also Ultimately, spoke of a clinician uh, lottery in there as well. Ultimately, clinicians, and this will, this will include those clinicians who refer to that element of the care path in Havistock, will make their own decisions uh, based on the evidence in front of them and based on the results of the assessment. But, but uh, clinicians, whether it's gender dysphoria or my own discipline or, or surgeons or whatever discipline, uh, are bound, uh, duty bound to make a decision in the interest primarily of the patient in front of them and not in the interest of advocacy groups. OK, we will leave it there. Dr. Colin Henry, Chief Clinical Officer with the HSE, thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast this morning. Now. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.